You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number eight. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am so excited about sharing this episode with you. This is an absolutely must listen. Today, we are talking to Bola Sakunbi from Clever Girl Finance. Bola is a certified financial education instructor, finance expert, author, speaker, podcaster, and founder of Clever Girl Finance, a financial education platform and community for women empowering them to achieve financial wellness and live life on their own terms. Bola has been featured by several media outlets, including Time.com, Money Magazine, Essence, Black Enterprise, Cheddar TV, and the Chicago Tribune. And she has created a thriving online business and is so smart and strategic as you'll hear in today's interview. But before we dive into the interview, I want to make sure that you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash eight. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E.com slash the number eight. Now, if you're brand new to the podcast, then welcome. And I would be so honored if you would hit the subscribe button so that you can get all the future episodes downloaded automatically. And if you'd like to hear my story of how I went from being a working mom in corporate America to a stay-at-home mom to a work-from-home mom with a multiple six-figure business teaching and managing Facebook and Instagram ads, then I encourage you to listen to the very first episode of the podcast where I share more about what this podcast is all about and who I am. And yes, we are shooting to flourish to seven figures. And you can find episode number one at monicalouie.com slash one. In today's episode, we cover so much with this interview with Bola that you better get out a pen and paper so that you can take notes. We talk about strategy and the higher level thinking that it takes to scale to seven figures. Now here is just a taste of the goodness that you will learn in this episode. In today's episode, Bola shares how she grew her audience on Instagram to more than 180,000 followers, and of course, her top tips to growing your Instagram following fast. Plus, she talks about how to repurpose your content across various social channels and platforms, how to focus on what's working in your business to fuel your growth so that you can scale, and where to begin when tracking conversions throughout your website. Plus, we talk about a whole lot more. All right, let's dive into the interview with Bola Sukumbi from clevergirlfinance.com. Well, Bola, thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation. So you and I, we go back um, a few years now. We actually worked together. You were a Facebook ads coaching client of mine back in 2017, and we met via, I think, a Facebook group online, and we connected, and we had a great time working together. And I have loved following you ever since and what you're doing in building your business. So I'd love to talk about what you do. So first of all, share what you do. 
and who you are. And then we'll start from there. Yeah. And by the way, you were amazing. So um, I'm excited to have even gotten to to meet you and we've built a friendship since. So that's exciting. But um, to answer your question, my name is Bola Shakumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. And, and Clever Girl Finance is an online financial education platform and community for women. And we basically focus on empowering women to be able to make the best decisions for themselves when it comes to paying off debt, saving, investing, starting a business or side hustle. And we do that through um, content, online courses, access to mentors, um, access to financial experts, um, and the ability to schedule time and also providing our members with accountability. So that's what Clever Oil Finance is all about. I love it. You've got so much going on and you've built this empire and it's just growing so fast. And I'm, I just love watching, um, what you've been building. So how did you get started? I mean, did you always know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur, that you wanted to venture out and do your own thing? Where did this come from? Well, I didn't always know that I was going to start Clever Girl Finance. That was just it, that just happened to happen. I'll tell you the story, but in regards to entrepreneurship, I've always had this kind of of business thing in me. And I think I get that from my mom because my mom was very, you know, she's very much of a businesswoman. Um, growing up, she was always figuring out different ways to, you know, to do business. She had a bakery, she had a school, she had a hair salon, she had all these different things. And she was doing that as a way to just achieve her own financial independence. So I've done all kinds of things from having a little Avon business and selling Avon to all my mom's friends, like, you know, when I was in college or my last year of college, to having a wedding photography business, to having an online bridal retail business. I've always dabbled in entrepreneurship. It's exciting, you know, to build a business. But Clever Girl Finance is something that I started because I was in the space where I had just given birth to my twins. And I don't know if it was postpartum depression, but I just felt very unfulfilled at my job. And I liked my job. I loved what I did. But at that point, I was just feeling like it didn't have any big impact because I was working for a major corporation. I was essentially a number. And I was just in the space where I just didn't know if I, I was just feeling unfulfilled. And during that time, I was brainstorming about even before I got pregnant about things I could do, you know, because as I was starting to grow my family, it, it didn't really work out for me to do wedding photography because I was going to have small kids. And then after I had my kids, I started having back issues and all kinds of things. So I would, I had this notebook where I would just write down different ideas and all these ideas would come to me and I'd write, write, write it down in the book, which I still have. And one day I was in my living room and I remember I had a friend over and I had given birth to my twins. They were sleeping and we were talking about business. And I was like, I should do something that helps women with their finances because women are always asking me, Bola, how did you save? How did you invest? And one of my, um, in my past lives, I was a blogger. I was just a personal blogger and I blogged about fashion and life and money. And I always got a ton of engagement on my money posts and I would do like little savings challenges. And my friend was like, yeah, why don't you go ahead and do that? And that was basically the seed, the idea for Clever Girl Finance. I didn't know what I was going to call it. And one day I was taking a shower and I was like, wait a minute, why don't you just call it Clever Girl Finance? <laughs> and that's pretty much how um, this business started. That's amazing. So I feel like your story is very similar to mine because my you know, goal and my priorities shifted once I became a mom. And I knew that, you know, I had a job and my, before I became a mom, I, you know, just thought that I would work there for 40 ish years and, you know, just get really good at that thing that I was doing and, um, and just work my way up the ladder. But then as I saw, you know, my managers and, and their managers and their bosses and, and, 
everything that like that they were doing, I just felt like there was something different for me that I could make a bigger impact outside of my corporate career. And, and Uh really that shift and, and that motivation to make a change really started when I became a mom as well. With Clever Girl Finance, when did you start that? What year was that that you actually launched it? So I started Clever Girl Finance as a blog in August of 2015. And it was just really like, this is my blog. Read my money to read about my money tips. And then in about March of 2016, March or April of 2016, I was like, wait a minute, this could be an actual business. So then I was, I actually made, I think the first thing I did around that time was offer like a one-on-one coaching. So that's when it became like a formal business. And I had a product to sell, which was the Clever Girl Finance Planner at the time. Um, So yeah, it's been around for about three. I'm bad with my math right now. Almost four years. Almost four years. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. In August, almost four years. Yes. Yeah. So, but then you really decided, you know, I can turn this into a business rather than just sharing my tips and advice um, on the blog. And so you started off with coaching and a planner. And so is that a physical planner? Is it a digital planner? How did you start off with that? It was a physical planner. What was interesting about that planner is that I had made it like maybe five years prior, but it had nothing to do with Clever Girl Finance. It was a finance planner that I had made and I had emailed it to all my friends and it was like in a Word document. Obviously, it got much more refined when I eventually created it, but it was in this Word document. And I was like, here, friends, this is something I created to help you work on your finances because you guys are always asking me questions about how I plan. So here you go. (laughs) And I remember, uh, you know, it was so crazy because I had the idea of the planner, but I didn't even remember that I had created this thing like five years prior. Then when the planner came out, a friend of mine was like, oh, my God, you actually turned this into a thing. And she sent it back to me. And I was like, oh, my God, I actually created this thing. I didn't even realize. Oh, that's funny. Okay. So what I like about your story already is that you've already vetted, you, you kind of validated your idea. So you, you talked to your friends about, you know, I think I might start this finance blog where you had, you know, this other blog before, and you talked about a few different, you know, areas of things, but then you realized that you kept getting questions about money and how to handle money. And so then you talked to your friends about, you know, maybe I should go down this route and help women with their finances. And your friend said, yes. And then you had, um, shared this planner that you didn't realize you were validating this idea, but exactly. your your friends loved it. And so then when you came out with the physical planner, then it took off and was really successful, right? So anyway, so I just like that you maybe not were super intentional about validating your ideas, but I think your success stems from that you had this idea and you kind of talked with people about it and then you kind of validated it and decided, you know, to to move forward with each idea. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that I'm one of those people that every time I have an idea, I always use my friends as guinea pigs. So there are things that have never come to light, you know, because they've been like, oh, my God, this is crap. But most things I've done, like I remember when I first started my photography business, my friends were my test subjects. I took pictures of a lot, any of my friends that were within a commutable reach. They have photographs that I took of them. I remember when I started my bridal business, a lot of my friends have products from my bridal business that they purchased, you know, at the very early stages because I was like, hey, do you want to try this thing out? So I've always, I'm, I'm one of those people that I've always, um, even if I may not have a long-term plan for it, I'm always testing or case studying some idea I have. That's great. I mean, and that and that's, I think, the best way to go because 
we oftentimes will get a burst of inspiration. We want to just take a chance and go all in, but I think it's better to kind of test the waters. And, and I just think it's super smart. So you're not wasting your time and energy on something that people don't actually want. Exactly. So you started off with the coaching and then the planner. And then what was your next product after that? So after that, I I did coaching for a while. And for me, my reason for doing the coaching, the one-on-one coaching was because I just wanted to learn more about the women who were starting to find Clever Off Finance. I wanted to know what their pain points were. I wanted to know what was causing them to want to make change with their finances. So I did the coaching for a little bit. And then, you know, there were other types of products that I tested out. So obviously there was the physical planner that we just talked about. And then there were worksheets and I did like webinars and basically anything you can do regarding an online business. (laughs) I tested it. Name one thing, I tested it. And from there, I realized that, you know, well, there's just one me and it also makes sense to be able to deliver content or the education that these women are asking for in a more of more of a one-to-many way. So I did a first course and it was on some free platform called Coursecraft. It wasn't even like a proper, I don't even know what it was. It was just basically, I just created like modules and put a bunch of like blog posts in them and structured them like in a course flow. And that was the first thing that I I tested out as an actual course. And then I took it down a couple of months later because one person signed up for it and I had no idea what it meant to launch a course. I had no idea about anything. I just created something. (laughs) So I took that back. I kind of went back into, okay, I'm going to go back to what works, which is the planner and the coaching and, you know, offering different levels of coaching and creating more content. And then at the time, one of my bigger focuses was, okay, while I'm still learning my audience and still trying to figure out how to serve them, I'm just going to focus on building the brand because I know that people like the content that I create and I know that it resonates and I know that it drives engagement. So I'm just going to spend, before I think about putting out any other new products. Like once the planner sell out, I'll continue with my one-on-one coaching, but I'm just going to focus on creating brand awareness because regardless of what product I create, I need to have people who are going to want to buy it or people who to sell it to. So brand awareness was a primary focus. And I think I really started focusing on brand awareness towards the middle of 2016, towards the middle end of 2016. And I started doing that with Instagram. I had used Instagram when it first came out. I think I was like maybe in the first hundred users when I had my photography business. So I had an idea that, well, if I'm not going to be posting pictures, I could test out posting other things on here, like quotes and like, you know, those types of things to see quotes and tips to see how people would engage. So I started doing that. I started a Pinterest. I started a Twitter. I, started, I basically started testing all of these different uh, social media platforms. And that was the one thing I didn't test on my friends because I was like, okay, I, I want this to be completely unbiased because a lot of times when you test things with your friends or people that you know because they like you or because they don't want to hurt your feelings they'll say oh this is great or they might say even if it's not good enough they'll still say it to you in a nice way mm-hmm. and I'll like okay when I'm testing this whole brand clever girl finance thing I don't want my friends to, to be nice to me about this right so I'm not gonna even show it to them so I just started all of my accounts with zero they were not tied to personal accounts they were just clever girl finance follower zero <laughs> like zero, everything was zero. And I just started from there. And over time, I got really into how to grow an audience. And I geeked out on, I have a tech background, by the way. So I geeked out on learning about how how the different platform algorithms worked. I geeked out on every time there was a developer update, what they had done and why they had done it. And I would take what I was learning and apply it to 
what I was doing every time they you know released an update. Instagram has a really awesome blog, by the way, and a developer's blog. I would go there and see what was happening and see what I could take from that and apply to what I was doing. And over time, I started to grow an audience. So um, those were, I guess, the first first pro- products slash beginning of growing the business. And you've done a great job with building that too. I mean, Instagram is, your Instagram is amazing. You have 176,000 followers today. And I remember when we were working together, we did some Instagram ads. And back then you had 51,000, which I was amazed at. And so now it's just grown so fast. So how did you, you know, with Instagram specifically, how did you start off with building that audience? Do you have any tips that you can share with us? Things that you did that worked well? um, And then what, what would you do if you were starting from scratch today? So basically with Instagram, it was just really focusing on, I realized, okay, this was the easiest place for me to engage. I liked using Instagram. Um, A lot of people that I thought were my target audience, I thought were on Instagram at the time because I remember I said I started with zero. So I didn't really know for sure. And so what I did is that I started, I did, I tested a lot of different things. I first of all started creating my own content um, images and I would test out quotes versus tips versus actual images and see like if anybody was even finding them, was this getting one like or two likes or anything like that? And at the time um, there was no discover page. There was no Instagram recommendations. There were no Instagram ads. So you had to get people to find you. Instagram was not recommending you anywhere. And so I then started to find accounts with parallel audiences that I thought might be of interest to me or that my audience might sit in. And I started engaging on those accounts and people would then come back and find my account. And then in conjunction with doing that, I was also creating content on the blog. I was writing blog posts and I was like, wait a minute, there's all these amazing women that I'm finding that I actually really like that are doing awesome things. Why don't I take them and interview them on the Clever Girl Finance website and then create little Instagram graphics that they can share to their audience. So I think like within the first three months, I did like 22 interviews and they all had little graphics and they all shared. And the people who were interested in learning about finance came and followed Clever Girl Finance. And then at the same time, I was testing what types of images my audience was engaging with. Was it tips? Was it funny things? Was it like quotes? Was it just plain images? What I found was that people weren't just liking, but because they enjoyed the content, they would tag their friends who would tag their friends. And I started to see trends in specific type of posts that I was creating that would always grow my audience. At the same time, I would also start to see trends in specific type of posts I was creating that will cause people to unfollow me. (laughs) So uh, I kind of got into this focus where I knew, okay, every week I'm going to get a hundred new followers or every week I'm going to get, you know, 200 and it was 300 and it was a thousand followers a week I knew I would get. So it was just a bunch of testing and Instagram has a lot of little nuances. I don't keep up with it as much as I used to. But at the time when I was really like all Instagrammed out, you know, it was a lot of things about consistency and knowing the time of posting and knowing what type of hashtags to use that people were searching. It's almost like how you would do keyword research for your blog post, right? Instagram is not this little like search engine to a degree where people are searching for particular content based on hashtags and also what was trending, right? So things like Brexit, for example, or like if some financial thing was happening in the news, like for instance, the government shut down, those are all potential hashtags that people are trying to find information about. So it's all these little things um, around um, growing. And with Instagram, I it's also being yourself, um, it's being consistent, and it's also having a great time, right? And Whenever I did like guest posting, which I was submitting a lot, I would tell them, hey, can you mention 
um, that folks can follow me on Instagram. And in my blog post, I would say, hey, you know, if you've enjoyed this blog post, check me out on Instagram. And as I started to grow my email list, I would say, hey, follow me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, so I was always directing people to the places that I was getting the most engagement. Obviously, my priority, despite how much time I was spending on Instagram, was still building out my home base, which was my website and my own email list. But Instagram was something that I spent a lot of time doing. I'm taking mad notes because you just gave, I mean, so what I, what I love about this is that you were very strategic. It wasn't like, oh yeah, I just happened to get 176,000 followers. I mean, you decided to go all in on Instagram and, and because you enjoyed it, first of all, I mean, that's the first thing that you said is that you really liked Instagram. And so you enjoyed it engaging on there. And so then you just got very strategic about testing different ideas and paying attention to what was working and what was not, you know, when the followers were coming and when they were unfollowing and then getting very strategic with the hashtags and what's trending. I, I'm going to go back and I'm going to <laughs> look at all my notes about what you just said and apply it to my own Instagram because yeah. i I think that's great. I mean, just like, you know, my world is Facebook ads and we're always looking at the data as to what's working, what are people resonating with? And, but it's the same thing and you can apply that same mentality and same strategy to anything. So if you want to go in all in on SEO, you know, and build up your, your SEO, then dive in and learn all about it and learn about, you know, what, what's working and what's really, you know, bringing in the traffic to you. So, so I just love that you were so clear and specific with your strategy for, for growing on Instagram. And now, you know, with the discover feature, are there other things that you would do if you were, I mean, you're still growing your, your Instagram following, but for somebody who has Hmm. like limited followers and they're just trying to gain some traction, do you have three key tips to start with? I think if you've proved your concept, you want to leverage your friends, you want to leverage your network. I didn't do that because I didn't want anybody to give me any kind of random feedback. (laughs) If I was to do it again, I would leverage my friends. I would tell them from the jump, hey, this is Clever Girl Finance, as opposed to saying, oh my God, isn't this your thing? Why don't you tell me about it? Which is what was happening (laughs) as it started to grow. I think I still have friends. I actually do still have friends who don't know that I have a business called Clever Girl Finance. So definitely leverage your network. Tell them about it. Um, The more people like, the more people share. Ask them to share with their friends. And also, I would leverage connecting with people in parallel spaces, you know, because those people have audiences and see how you can collaborate together by doing webinars, by doing Instagram Lives, which is a great feature. And I don't really take advantage of it, but I should. When you do those things, you know, you guys are both cross-promoting and that will help you get people to find out about your Instagram account and start to follow you. Another thing that I did that was at the time very beneficial was giveaways. Um, but I did the giveaway strategically. It was with the Clever Girl Finance Planner, but you can do a giveaway on anything. You can do a giveaway on a coaching session, on a worksheet, on anything that you feel is going to resonate and add value to your audience. You can do a giveaway. But the strategy around the giveaway was um, multifaceted in the sense that it was one targeted to help grow the account. So in order to be Um, eligible for the giveaway, they had to tag somebody else and ask them to follow. And they also had to go subscribe so that I could continue to build my email list. It was it was social growth, but also email list building at the same time. So that was one strategy that was pretty beneficial. Um, I think when it comes to giveaways, you want to be particular about what you're giving away. If you're giving away something that is not valuable, that doesn't help your customer solve their pain point, then 
it's not going to do well. But if it's something that you know is valuable and it's going to help them solve their pain point, then it will be helpful. And the way I determined that was um, because I was still growing this audience and my audience was very small, I wasn't very sure. So I went back to my home base, which was my site, and I was like, okay, what is my most trafficked or most engaging blog post at this time? And what can I create from this thing to help my audience solve their problem? So if it wasn't the planner, it was maybe like a worksheet at the time that helped people with some pain point that they were having, but that's what I tied into the giveaway. Or maybe it was access to a 15 minute call with me to help answer any questions they had about things I was doing with my own finances. So you have to get get creative and the fourth tip, which you didn't ask for, Monica, but I'm going to give you anyway. <laughs> Way over deliverable. I love it. <laughs> Is that you have to test. There's so many things I did on Instagram that did not work. And I remember at the time doing it, I had friends who were trying to grow Instagram audiences and they were like, this is a waste of time. I, this is just too much. I can't deal with this. And I was like, I'm just going to test this one more thing. I'm just going to test this one more thing. And I just never gave up. So just because one thing doesn't work doesn't mean that it is a lost cause. There are people who are building massive audiences today, regardless of what people are saying about pay to play and it's so hard and algorithm. Yes, that all exists, but you can still build an effective audience. And it's important to start with your home base because your home base, your website is a place where you can, once you're, once you build this entire audience, you need to send them somewhere, right? So there's no point in me having a hundred thousand Instagram followers if they just sit on Instagram. I don't own that audience. Instagram can decide to block me or shut down. And then what happens to those hundred thousand people? They go away. And so the whole idea of brand awareness and building audiences is direct them back to your home base so that they get to know more about you and your product and your business and what you have to offer. And that's what's really important here. That's so true. So, okay. I'm looking at your, at your post. So your latest one, you've got the URL in your post, even though it's not clickable. So is that part of the strategy too? And then you say link in bio, of course. Um, and so you say, Let's see. Read our detailed breakdown plus download our free budgeting worksheet. Then you got the URL. Stop by clevergirlfinance.com. And then you got clevergirlfinance.com link in bio. So that's something I'm assuming you tested that and have found that, you know, even though people can't click on it, giving them the full URL of where to go is helpful to getting them to to go download the worksheet. And in doing so, then they join your list. So I actually, well, you just called me out here. So <laughs> I actually don't typically put like, other than the website link, because that's easy to remember, Clever Girl Finance. I usually put that and I say go to bio because that's more of like an impression thing. You're going to see it if you follow, you see Clever Girl Finance often that the next time you want to go find some financial tip, you're going to remember, oh, wait a minute, clevergirlfinance.com. But that link I put in there because I was being a little lazy. And what we do with our content is that this content on Instagram also gets shared to Facebook and Twitter. And so those links are clickable on Facebook and Twitter and that's why it's there. Okay. Got it. So you're yeah. <laughs> so what tool Yes, what tool? we repurpose our content all the time. Yeah, that's great. Okay. So what tool are you using to to repurpose your content? With Instagram, right, because we've had this for a long time, we have like a repository of hundreds of images, like hundreds of images that we've created over time. Um, we rebranded last year, so we had to redo a lot of them, but there's now hundreds of them. And so um, a lot of them are sitting on my phone. 
a lot of them are sitting on the phone of my employee. <laughs> we also, um, we use Canva to do some really quick. So we have uh, the paid Canva account. So we're able to upload our typeface and our logos and all of our branding in there. And so we use Canva to create really quick things. And it's it's so easy. Um, if you're not a Canva person and you have Photoshop, you can do the same thing. But Canva is so simple. Um, and so we create a lot of our have them in different categories so we can find them. And then we use um, later to schedule. It's an Instagram tool to schedule. Even though Instagram does not like that, they I, I get notices from them every now and then saying that um, our account is using a tool that, I don't know, something, some, something about our account is using a tool that could potentially... I don't know, but it's an Instagram thing that they don't like, but we use it anyway to store. And one of the things that I notice is that when you're using these tools and you have them auto post, which is now something that Instagram allows, um, sometimes your engagement can be lower, which is what we found with our account. And so typically we will schedule, we'll create like the plan for the week in the, in the tool, but we will, we will post the, the um, Instagram posts manually so that we can get the maximum amount of engagement possible because we noticed that when we post automatically our engagement is usually lower and sometimes we do that um but yeah if we're if we if we are doing time sensitive you know things but that's just one random tip so later we also have another tool um that we use called smarter and smarter i use it primarily for like um our facebook groups and it has like um pinterest and Instagram and all these other features. But what I found with these different tools is that some of them are really good for one particular thing. So later, we really like that for Instagram. Smarter Q, we really like it for engagement in Facebook groups. And then for Pinterest, um, we use Tailwind, which does that really, really well. Uh, so that's where we're storing our, our content. I'm trying to think of if I'm missing anything else. But that, yeah, that's what we're doing primarily. Very cool. Okay, I love it. Um, thank you. We love We love learning about tools. So later for posting on Instagram, but you basically just use it to create the plan and then you schedule them manually or you post them manually. Yes. Smarter Q for Facebook groups and Pinterest for Tailwind. Do you also use Smarter Q? Tailwind for Pinterest. Or Tailwind for Pinterest. Yeah. Um, And do you use Smarter Q for Twitter also? So later Smarter Q, um, they both, and I think even Tailwind now, they both have Twitter Twitter features, but we don't use them because Twitter's algorithm now does not like duplicate posting, right? So Instagram, we recycle our posts like maybe every 30 to 50 days um, because people don't remember what they see. There's so much going on in Instagram, but on Twitter, it only wants you to post unique one-time content because of like spammers and bots and the issues that they've had from what I understand. So with Twitter, what happens is that we just have a Zapier task that just auto posts from our Instagram account. Sometimes I'll go onto Twitter and engage there because we do have a little bit of an audience on there, but that's not my primary focus. And just one, th- I'm talking about all these different platforms, Twitter, Facebook, t- uh, Pinterest, blah, blah, blah. And just one thing to keep in mind is that we focus to build on each of these one by one. And some of these we haven't actually spent any time at all. I would say our top one has been Instagram. There was a time where we spent a lot of time focusing on Pinterest. And I think we got our our page views up to 120,000 page views a month from Pinterest. But we get traffic from Pinterest, but I don't know if our, our ideal audience is sitting in the traffic that we're getting from Pinterest. So we deprioritize that. And so when you're thinking about what approach for folks who are listening to take when it comes to social, just start with one. 
And then you can build on later. And what happens is that because we have so much content for Instagram, not just images, but little blurbs and excerpts, which all which all that content starts from the content we create for our website, our blog. So because we have all that content, it's so easy now for us to repurpose it onto Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest without killing ourselves. So start with one place and then you can you can build this cascading effect once you solidify, solidify that one place. That's a great tip. So I really like that. And I thank you for pointing that out, that you focused on building one at a time. And so you really found that, you know, Instagram, your audience is there. And so that's where you spent more time in building. But it's great to test the other platforms as well and find out if your audience is there as well. For everybody listening, I'm sure you're curious if you go (laughs) just search for Clever Girl Finance on each of these platforms, but definitely Instagram.com slash Clever Girl Finance. Um, is where you want to check out Bola and see all these images images and how she has, you know, different quotes. And some of them are just like, a lot of them are just short and punchy. And then, you know, and then you can read her post that goes along with it, that really helps to rally her tribe. And that's why she's getting all this great engagement. So she she takes a stand um, in her approach with money. Okay, if you can do liquid eyeliner, you can do anything. <laughs> and they're funny. <laughs> um, so of course, I mean, it, there's no wonder why, you know, so many, so many women are following you and, and resonating with each of these posts. I love it. So yeah. um, what else did you want to say, Bola? Did I cut you off? Oh, I was just going to say that the, the other thing that's really, really important is that social media is amazing. It's awesome, but we don't own the audiences. And so for us, the priority has always been ever since we started I started Clever Girl Finance is that everything starts from our, our home base first, which is our website. And I think I've said that like 10 times already. Yes. But despite, you know, the engagement we have on Instagram and all that, the bulk of our traffic still comes organically from Google search. So it's people searching for content that we've written about on the blog or that, that we have filmed about on YouTube, which Google owns, that drives the traffic, right? We get a lot of traffic from Instagram, but the the bulk of our traffic is coming organically from the content that we own on the site that we own. And that's something to keep in mind. And so when we create a blog post, let's say I create a blog post on 10 tips to master your finances, that's like a thousand or 1500 word blog post. And then each of those 10 tips become 10 tips that we can then break into little nice images and share on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And then that 10 tips blog post becomes a podcast of, hey, on the Clever Girls Know podcast, let's talk about 10 tips to master your finances. And it just kind of cascades and then it becomes something that we can use to create a video. So our content on our website is priority and then everything else comes after because the bulk of our traffic comes from there. And the reason why that's important is because all of these social platforms have isolated audiences. There are people who spend all their time on Instagram. There are people who spend all their time on YouTube. There are people who spend all their time on Pinterest. You guys all know different people like this. There are people who spend all their time listening to podcasts. Um, before we started recording, Monica, you and I talked about the fact that you listen to a lot of podcasts. And so these are all isolated audiences. And sometimes there'll be overlap. But when you think about the way human beings work and the way you behave, you'll find that Almost everybody, when they're trying to find something, will leave that social platform that they're on, even if it's just for a few minutes, and go look for it in Google search, right? So then you're now getting all these different people across all these different platforms trying to find content. And and if you're doing it the right way, Google is leading them to your home base. So that's why it's really important. 
Such an important point. Thank you for pointing that out. And then also to what you've said multiple times already as well, is that then you're, you know, you're consistently trying to drive people to your email list so that you can stay in touch with them and build that relationship with them and be able to get back in touch with them, no matter if Instagram shuts down tomorrow, that you're still able to continue that relationship with them. So, so, so smart the way that you're doing it, Bola. So on your website, you've got your call to action at the top is you've got your menu. I mean, your website looks, looks so great. Um, Thank so you. achieve financial freedom and take control of your life. And so you've got two options here, explore our courses or take our money quiz. So I'm curious, um, what's your thought process in having the two different calls to action there? So this is all, we do a lot of tests. So you may come back tomorrow and find that that's different or the verbiage is different. So there's nothing set in stone here. <laughs> We're still learning. Like I said, we rebranded six months ago and we decided to pursue one of our main things on our roadmap right now is building out this course platform, right? So it's just right now we're just testing, you know, so if you're in that space where you come or where you come and you want to get educated on something, our assumption is that you want to see what courses we have, you want to take them right now. But if you're not quite there in that space where you're not ready to buy, then maybe you need a little bit of a nudge or you just want to get to know Clever All Financing. We have never heard of us before. You want to get to meet us, et cetera. And so that's where the quiz comes from because it's something that's, there's no um, requirement requirement for you to buy anything from us, but you can learn something. And so people can do that, but we're always testing. Um, so that's like, that page has changed so much. <laughs> so, but that's our thought process around that right now. Great. And so are you using any kind of tool to test this or you're just manually changing things out and looking at the data? So there are tools that we, that you use. There is a tool called Smart Look and Smart Look is a tool that helps you see how people are when you drive traffic. So let's say we drive traffic from social media or from wherever to our site. It just helps you see how people are engaging on your site. Like where are they going to? What's attracting them? This is like very like geeky kind of stuff. Um, in the very early stages, I don't really think this kind of stuff matters, but this kind of tells you, it shows, it's almost kind of, almost kind of shows you like a heat map of what's happening on your site and our things position well and if you shift things does this change how people are behaving on your site so that's just one of those anal things that I look at sometimes (laughs) it's not a requirement guys Um, and then the other thing that I feel is even more important is the actual metrics behind all of these things right so I'm a very um, analytics and metrics based person because of my background so I'm always geeking out on numbers because at the end of the day it's always a numbers game right so you build an external audience wherever they're sitting on the podcast on social media, on offline events, wherever, and then you bring them to your website and, you know, you start to build this funnel, right? So a subset of people who you've, who have found you on these external platforms will come to your site. And a subset of people who have come to your site will take certain actions. Then a subset of people will become warm leads who want to purchase. And then a subset of those people will become paying customers. And so you have this funnel of like from cold to paying, and it's kind of like, determining, okay, what's the best way to get people down that path? And how do you get more volume on top so that once you know what that path is, the goal is not getting more volume on top because you already know that 10% is going to become this, 5% is going to become this, 3% is going to become become that. You already know the answer to that. And so you're just solving for let's get more traffic to the the beginning of of the funnel. So that's kind of how my brain operates. 
I don't know if I answered your question. No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, so it's, okay. So to your point, when you're starting off, you know, this is not, this is not where you want to go. You want to be consistent with your content. Um, you want to be building your brand and building your following, you know, the other things that we've talked about, but I mean, when you're scaling, getting to know your customer, that's exactly, uh, getting the to know most them. important thing. Exactly. Cause exactly. If you don't know them, you don't know what to sell them exactly, and how to help them. Yes. So understanding all of that, I mean, that helps to build the foundation and that's what you've built beautifully. And then when you're ready, I mean, to, when you're on the path to seven figures, which is what we're talking about with this podcast, you know, then it starts to, you know, then that's where you need to have a very analytical view where you're looking at, you know, what is working so that we can apply, you know, the 80, 20 rule about, you know, let's focus on the 20% that is bringing in the most customers. And you don't know that if you're not looking at the numbers and you're not looking at the data. So I love that you are very strategic with all of this. I mean, you were very strategic with building your Instagram following and and the other platforms. Um, but then, you know, you're definitely applying that same thought process to building out your website and driving traffic and figuring out the best path to take your audience through so that you can help them in the best way, which, you know, for, you know, a good portion of them is going to be to have them invest in one of your courses or to sign up for coaching with you or your team. And so, you know, but then also paying attention to what people are interested in, what people are clicking on, what people are looking for. So are you just looking at Google Analytics to help you figure out all of this? Are you using Google Tag Manager or any other like kind of analytical tool aside from Smart Look to figure all of this out? So I'm very overboard <laughs> with my metrics. Um, so we, I have this crazy dashboards we've built. And so we use Google Analytics, we use Google Console, we use Tag Manager, we look at our Instagram insights, we look at our Facebook metrics, we look at uh, just any kind of metric that's out there, we look at it. However, just because we look at it doesn't mean that we spend all this time, you know, we have picked core metrics that we want to we want to follow. And those core metrics tie to our bottom line and tie to our revenue. So there's a ton of metrics you can get caught up in, but time is is a huge factor here. So you have to pick what makes the most sense in the particular instance that you're in. So we look at specific metrics. And so one of the list, one of the metrics we look at is specifically around conversion rates, right? Like what is our rate to conversion for someone who um, either joins our email list or goes into one of our funnels to becoming a paying customer. And we also look at a cohort analysis of that conversion to see how long it takes for you from when you meet us at one of these points to become a paying customer. Because when we know the length of time, then it gives us a good amount, a good sense of um, forecasting and also being able to say, okay, if on average, it's going to take somebody X amount of months or even X amount of years to become a paying subscriber based on this average, then we know how to nurture this person through our funnels or through our communications over this amount of time. We have a lot of automation in place to help us manage this in our dashboard. So we have a, a Excel spreadsheet where we're able to dump in data and it creates like all these nice charts and things that we can look at historically and try to predict stuff into the future and things like that. So um, those are some of the things that we do. I'm also a very Excel person. Um, and this stuff is time consuming and it's not always fun to do. But what I found is that when I don't do it. I'm blind to what's happening, right? So 
I may find myself wondering, well, I have all these people that came to my site, but nothing happened. And it's because I'm just not in tune with what, what was actually happening with the people. And sometimes when I don't look at my metrics for a while, I will start to realize that, wait, something is happening, but I don't know why it's happening. And it could be because there's an error, because there's a broken link, because one part of our funnel is broken or not working. And I wouldn't realize that if I wasn't looking at the metrics, because the more you get to know your numbers, the more you'll start to be able to identify like baseline trends of what's happening in your business. You'll start to know you'll start to expect certain things. And when you don't see those things happening, then it's an indication that you need to go back and research to see what happened. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, okay, I'll deal with this in two weeks and then I won't do it. And then I'll be like, oh my God, when I do go do it, I'll be like, oh my God, there has been a broken link or something broken in our process for two weeks. And this, not, you know, we lost all this revenue because we didn't fix this in time. So it's it takes um, time. But I think for someone who's just starting out or someone who's just beginning to get intimate with their metrics, at the very minimum, you need to know how many people are getting to set eyes on your products and services. So if they're on your website, right, how many people are visiting your website? And you can even take it a step down and say, okay, how many people get to the front page of my website? And then how many people actually click to the product page of my website? So that's the beginning of like, you know, a tracking funnel, right? So if 100 people come to my website, my homepage and 10 people click to my products, then what percentage of those 10 people are actually going to buy the product? That's another thing to measure. So you know that, okay, if 500 people come, then 50 people could potentially go to my products page. And people kind of start getting caught up um, because they are like, okay, well, 500 people came to my site, nobody's buying. But the reality is that only 50 people actually went to explore your product, right? And maybe you need to work on getting that number of 50 up. So what can you change in the transition from your homepage to your product page to get more people clicking, to get that number from 10 out of 100 to like 20 out of 100 to 25 out of 100? And that's Going back to what I said about our page where we're always testing, that's where that comes into play. Okay. This is amazing. This is just pure gold. And this is what I, you know, I really want everybody to listen to because this is super, super smart. I mean, you're setting yourself up that like once you know that everything is working and it can be, you can expect it, right? Because you know your history and then I'm sure you can look at, you know, even a broader view of like, you know, the seasons in your business, right? You know, yes. New year, like month of the year. Right. So cycles, weeks, exactly. days of the week. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And so, so you can see all those different cycles, but then it also comes, becomes a lot more predictable or you can know where the problem lies. If something, you know, your numbers do go down or you didn't get as many sales this week as you were expecting to. Um, but then, I mean, once you know all that and it is working well, that's when you can really scale things up, you know, whether you want to use Facebook ads or something else. But I mean, that's when, when you know your numbers, that's when you are making, you know, an educated decision on where to scale things up. So I absolutely love it. I think, I think that everybody should be understanding just at least the basics of what you said. You know, how many people are visiting your site? What are your conversion rates on your pages? Um, so if you've got an opt-in page, you know, so in Facebook ads, we're, a lot of times we're growing the list and getting people into the funnel with a landing page um, from the ad. You know, they click from the ad to the landing page. And so knowing that conversion rate on that landing page is super important. Um, but then also on your site, when people, you know, are they, how many people are hitting the homepage? How many people are coming in, you know, 
via a blog post or, you know, which are your most popular blog posts that people are coming Uh in and looking at that information as well. And then seeing the customer, you know, journey from there, how are people interacting with your site? Is there something where they're, you know, getting confused or there's a roadblock where, you know, all of a sudden people are leaving, you know, where they're losing interest. So looking at all of those things can make a really big difference. And it could just be a simple tweak that you need to make, but you Uh don't know that if you're not looking. Yeah, so it's all about being able to make education, educated decisions in your business using your data. It's so important. You cannot go blindly and make assumptions if you don't really know the answers on how you expect customers to behave or potential customers to behave, right? So that's why going back to what I said is you may have this massive audience on Instagram, but when you send them to your site, where are you sending them to? You know, does it is it even having any effect, right? So you have to look at the big picture, okay? I'm leading all these people to my website, but based on where they're coming from, what's actually the most attractive thing here? What's driving the sales? What seems to be be performing better? And it's just, I think it's worth just spending some time, find a YouTube video to understand how Google Analytics works. 101, very basic. Get, you know, a book on Amazon to understand how conversion works at the very basic. There's a video or a podcast for everything guys, when it comes to business, that's true. That's true. you have to like, it's, you know, what I realized in business is that you can be a great, especially when you have a small business or you're working as a solopreneur and you haven't yet gone to the point where you can build a team. You can be a great salesperson. You can be a great design person. You can have epic products and services that are so amazing. But as a solo business owner, if that's where your audience is, that's not enough in the early stages. You have to become the Jack or Jane of all trades. And then as your business grows, you can then delegate out to people who are masters of those trades and focus on back on what you're good at doing. But the early stages, you have to have insights to all these different things. Yes, absolutely. And and as you said, you've got to know your numbers too. You've got to understand what is happening in your business. So let's talk about your book that's coming out. Which um, you're in. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was so excited. So for those of you that don't know, um, I my husband and I paid off $120,000 of debt in two years on a single middle class income. So that's how I started online is in the personal finance world, which is where Bola and I connected. So anyway, so Bola reached out, what, last year and asked me if I would mind sharing my story in her book. And here we are. The book is getting ready to come out on June 25th, but you can pre-order right now. Um, you can go to monicalouie.com slash clevergirlbook. Um, that is my affiliate link on Amazon. But if you want to check it out or you can go to clevergirlfinance. <laughs> dot com and um bola's got it there too as well so tell us what is the book about it's about being a clever girl financially yeah so the book is called clever girl finance how to ditch that save money and build real wealth and it's basically a guide so it's more of a it's it's a guide to help you get your finances in order but the way i've created it is that it's a book that you will want to reference as you get to those different transitions and i wrote this book focused on women for a variety of reasons i feel like financial services and products out there are not really suited to us because the whole industry is primarily you know male occupied uh it's built by men mostly men working in it but we women we're making a ton of money we're creating businesses at record pace you know, we are 
graduating college or earning incomes or outpacing our male counterparts, which, you know, it's not like that is amazing and we should be able to manage our money. So this book is a guide and also a reference. And I share my personal story with money. I share why I do what I do. I talk about challenges I faced. I share the stories of incredible women in the book. And the reason why I wanted to feature women like you, Monica, in the book is because sometimes when you read about somebody's story, so my, you know, finance story, the one that I share and it's become most popular is coming out of college and saving $100,000 in three years. And a lot of times when people read a story like that, they're like, oh, well, that person is just lucky. Or, well, it's just that one isolated incident. And my whole point of having other women in the book that have done incredible things like you is to show that there's nothing special about what I did. There's nothing unique about what I did. What made that happen was the intention behind it. And tons and tons of people are doing this every day. And people who are reading the book, I want them to realize that they are also capable of getting them into the space where they're paying off their student loan debts. They are saving tons of money. They're investing and they're achieving um, whatever they deem as financial independence for themselves. So I'm excited about the book. It's been a couple years in the making <laughs> and I'm excited to have you participate in it. So yes, it comes out June 25th. It's going to be available everywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And I actually just got done with the audio version of the book last week which in itself was an experience. <laughs> I had no idea how audiobooks were done. Oh my God. But I got it done and it will be available also everywhere audiobooks are sold too. Yay. Oh, we love audiobooks too. Okay. So this is very exciting. I'm so thrilled to, I mean, that you're coming out with a book and it's published through Wiley. So it is with a major publisher. And then to have my story featured in it, I mean, it's just such an honor. So thank you. <laughs> For that. And so you can go, I mean, go to clevergirlfinance.com slash book and you can see, I mean, all these places where you can pre-order your copy. But then if you're listening to this after June 25th, it's already out. I mean, go get it, grab your copy. I mean, let's all take charge of our finances. And I just love that you do have that approach in, you know, your story, sharing your story to empower people. But there are going to be those naysayers that think that, you know, oh, well, you're just special, Bola. You know, obviously, you're just super smart and you can do it, you know. <laughs> and so, but then featuring other people's stories of, you know, people who were just committed to, you know, improving their financial life, you know, and, and made things happen is such a great way to kind of shift that narrative that will maybe, you know, if they, if they did it, then maybe that means that I can do it too. So, um, I know that's what inspired me is hearing, you know, other people getting out of debt really yes. inspired us to, to take action and do that for ourselves as well. So I'm really excited about the impact this book is going to have on the world and on women. And so I'm just, you know, thrilled to be a part of it. Anything else that you want to share as it relates to, let's talk about money and growing a business. So money mindset or abundance mindset, anything related to, you know, the finances in our business advice for us? What would you say? I think, oh my God. So yes. Yeah, so, you know, capital is a big deal when it comes to business. You need money to run a business, you need money to grow a business, whether you're bootstrapping, whether you're actively raising capital, um, money matters. And so it's important that you understand what your costs are. You have to know what it costs you to keep the doors open in your business because that will help you create a baseline for what you need to bring in to be able to sustain this business and also a, 
you know, get to profitability. And in the beginning stages, you may not, you know, you may find that you're spending a lot of money to grow the business and you're not quite profitable. And that's okay. It's part of the journey. But I think it's also important to um, have a buffer in place, you know, like the way you have an emergency fund for your personal finances, you need to have that sort of fund for your business. Because, you know, if your business is seasonal, or your, you know, things happen, and you have a slow season, you still want to keep your doors open and you need to have something to fall back on. So the same way we talked about, we spent all that time talking about knowing your your numbers, your data for your business. You also have to know your numbers from a financial perspective and understand the costs and how much you need and what you need to bring in and what it's going to take to break even and then become profitable. It's so important to really have a good understanding of your finances. And one thing I always tell people is that there's no shame you know, to be working full time and working a business full time. I did that, you know, before I eventually became full time finance. I was going to work at a full time job and then coming home after I put my babies to bed and then working up until only God knows what time, three, four AM <laughs> to go to work then at eight o'clock or seven o'clock. So you know, it's not long term sustainable, but in the short term, it's doable. And with focus and with commitment and with just tenacity to want to grow a business, you can be successful. And even if you're working your business full time, there's nothing wrong with, you know, getting a part time thing to help you sustain your business so that you can have peace of mind and less stress about your finances while you're building this thing that you're working towards building. I think sometimes a lot of business owners get they, they fall into this whole hole of glamour glamour on social media where everybody's an overnight sensation and everybody's like, you know, ditching the nine to five and it's killing them because they haven't given their business an opportunity to grow or to make money and they've left this job and it's not the glamour they thought it was going to be. So when it comes to building your business, there is no shame in your game. Do what you have to do that to enable it work for you. And so that's my advice. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. You gave us so much good stuff today, Bola. It was so great to talk about your journey and building your business and learn your Instagram tips and the numbers and talking about analytics and metrics. And I love it all. And I'm so excited about your book coming out. So tell people where they can learn more about you and your book and they can follow you on social. Yeah, so you can find me at clevergirlfinance.com, on Instagram at clevergirlfinance. Um, I have a podcast called Clever Girls Know, and that is available everywhere podcasts are. Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, Clever Girl Finance, with the exception of Twitter, though. Somebody has my Clever Girl Finance name on Twitter. So it's Clever Girl CGF. <laughs> I actually think I have it, and then I locked myself out of it, and I can't get back into it because nobody's using it. <laughs> That so I don't funny. think it's anybody else, but it's just there and I can't figure out how to get it. So I'm going to blame it on somebody else. If someone has it. Um, but that's how you can find me. <laughs> Wonderful. So go grab your copy of Clever Girl Finance, the book. and Tell your follow- friends about it. Tell your friends. Gift and- it. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much, Bola. This was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing everything today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, Monica. This was awesome. Wasn't she just amazing? Did you take tons of notes like I did? I absolutely love this interview with Bulla. And she reiterated what we talked about with Belinda in episode six, that we need to know our numbers in our business. So now it's time for you to take action. 
As we work to scale our businesses to seven figures, it is time to stop passively listening to podcasts and audiobooks and actually implement what we learn. So my challenge to you is what one thing are you going to implement from the interview with Bola today? Are you going to employ some of her Instagram growth hacks? Are you going to develop a plan to repurpose your content? Or maybe are you going to start tracking your conversion rates on your website? I invite you to check out her brand new book called Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. And you can find that at monicalouis.com slash clevergirlbook. Thank you so much once again to Bola for joining us on the podcast today and for featuring my story in her book. And remember, you can find all of the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouis.com slash eight. So thank you so much for joining Bola and me today. If you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast and subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, we are talking about the three biggest mistakes online marketers make when getting started with Facebook ads. So join me in the next episode if you're ready to take the shame out of your Facebook ads game. Thank you so much for joining me today. Take care and bye for now. 